0: Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we are here today uh, talking about owning your faith. Yeah.
1: We did a how Paul deconstructed his faith a while back. Yeah. And this is more about how all of us can and should deconstruct our faith.
0: I guess what we talked about with Paul was kind of looking into how this is actually a biblically supported concept. Um, This is more about how do you do that? Like, what does that look like? How can I do that? And why should I? Yeah, do that? is it worthwhile? Yeah, is it worthwhile? And, and and this is actually for non-believers as well as believers. That everyone should just know why they believe what sure. they believe. Right? That we're, we're logical beings. That matters. And so we're going to get to that right after this quick message from our sponsors.
1: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410.
0: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, so the question is deconstruction. well, I don't want to say deconstruction. Owning your faith.
1: Yeah, that's probably a better way of looking at it.
0: Yeah, we, we we got talking about deconstruction and I couldn't get it off my brain.
1: Is what you believe – Do you, is why you believe what you believe? Is it just because you've always done it? Just because that's how you grew up? Just because that's what your parents did? Or did you actually work your way through uh, why you believe what you believe?
0: Right. and And like here's I guess where I land on that is – When you go to like 60,000 foot view on this, um, say you're not even you're not even considering that that Christianity is like the one truth or maybe, you know, maybe you're a Christian, maybe you're not, whatever. But the point is, there's a lot of different religions in the world. And there's a lot of different philosophies on how we came into being that deny a God. right? Right. And so the question is like, well, those people believe that for a reason. Right. They didn't just they don't just say that. So why do they believe that? What what is the argument for why that person over there believes something totally counter to what I believe, whether it's in a God or or not in a God at all or or in a different God or whatever? Um, wh- Why are they there and how did they get there? And is there good reason for that belief? Right. And I think those are all totally relevant questions and we can get squeamish as Christians hearing something like that and going no no that means i'm doubting and it's right. like no 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 that doesn't mean you're doubting we're logical beings and as a christian i can wholeheartedly say god made us in a way where he wants us to lo- to use logic and reasoning to understand why we believe something right like when he took israel out of egypt He did that to prove that he was trustworthy, right? He did things in a way that for the rest of time, they could look back and go, this God is about what he says he's about. He's the God that actually saves. He says he saves and then he does it, Um, that he, he comes into the world in a historical way through the person of Jesus Christ in a measurable, historic manner that we can actually look back and see that throughout multiple cultures. Referencing Jesus as being an actual person. Now, this is me speaking for my Christian beliefs, right? Right. Um, I want to I want to kind of back it up. And Randy, you're looking for something. I'm curious.
1: I am. I am. Uh, Just keep going. Okay. We'll come back to this.
0: So, the first thing that I think we need to address is whether you're a believer or whether you're an unbeliever. You need to be able to to reason, to logically reason, and provide. A backing, a provide a, a defense for why you believe what you believe.
1: Right. You find it. I did. I did. It just something that you said made me uh, think of something else. Rabbit trail. Um. Do you remember how Jesus is called? What, what, one of the one of the main names that he is given in the New Testament is the Word. Yeah. Especially out of John. Yeah. Uh, The word in Greek is logos. Guess what the etymology of logic is? Logos. It goes right back to Logos. Really? It goes right back to Jesus's name. Why wouldn't God want us to use logic? He He's named his son after logic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, he didn't name his son after logic. Logic yeah. is named after Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: It's a characteristic of <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. God is a God of logic. It
1: all makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, So whether you believe in nothing or you believe in something, it's still a faith issue, right? Is that Mm -hmm. fair to say that that everything you have to have faith in it? Now, a lot of people consider faith to be this like blind obedience in the face of no logic, like that. I don't need any reasoning to believe something. I have faith. In fact, I've heard people say that faith is the opposite of reason or logic. That's not true. We're not called to that biblically. Right. We're called to be able to defend our faith. We're called to have Definitely. a reason why we believe what we Definitely. believe. Yes. We're not supposed to blindly follow Jesus. He did what he did to prove that he was who he said he
1: was. Yeah. That's the whole point. I mean, what Jesus says at the end of the book of John, when when Thomas says, uh, I won't believe he's raised from the dead until I can put my fingers in his scars and put my hand in the, in the wound at his side. Jesus shows up a week later and he says, Thomas, here I am. There are the scars. There's the, yeah, do it, do it. And right. it wasn't, I don't think it was cynical. I don't think it was sarcastic. No. I think Jesus was saying, look at the evidence.
0: Right. He gave him what he needed. Yeah. And 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 he believed for it. Um. So with that said, like I said, whether you believe in nothing or you believe in something, it's a faith issue. So the question is. And I, I truly believe that this is the most important question, no matter who you are or what you believe, is, is there a God? That's that's kind of the the main question we have to land on. Kind of the basis. Right. Because yeah. as we've talked about many times before, and it's probably the foundation for much of the apologetics that I find myself having conversations with people in, is, well, if there's no God, then there's no ob- objectivity and right. nothing matters. Right. So you can't be upset or happy about anything um, and you surely can't provide reasoning for why you should be happy or upset about anything and you can't be mad at anybody else for being doing something, you know, right, like right. the the basis for all objectivity goes out the window with the concept of a God. And so the first question that has to be addressed is, is there a God? Um, now, like I said, I, I believe that just through common objectivity existing, you can you can conclude that there is. Now, this is not going to be a podcast on whether or not there's a God. We've done that before. I'm sure we'll do that again, but that's not what this podcast is. So that's step one. Is there a God? Um, Step two, if so, what God? Right? There's lots of gods. There's what millions, if not billions? When you get into Hinduism, the number just
1: <laughs> oh, it's it's <laughs> like yeah. through
0: the roof. Hinduism, literally millions. Yeah, I mean it absorbs everything it touches. So yeah. there's just tons and tons and tons of these guys from different cultures in Hinduism. Um, and so the question is, you know what what god? You know what? How do I determine that? Well, I think that comes to the next point, which is well, what god has evidence? which God backs their claims, right? Because right? so many stories of gods are, are just myth, right? Little stories.
1: And and in a lot of cases, uh, people uh, follow religions that really don't have a God. And Confucianism, even Buddhism, Buddhism, uh, they do not claim that Buddha is a God. He was an enlightened human being. Right.
0: Taoism, same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. it's It's like fundamentalism. Like there's like a, I don't want to say fundamentalism because that, has connotations it carries but there are fundamentals of life and they follow those fundamentals it's more of an ideology rather than Mm -hmm. but there is still like a there's still a way to it like there's a karmic system right and
1: there is still a force and entity that exists and
0: so it's not that they're discounting a god it's just not a personal god it's an impersonal detached distant god that kind of exists in all of us but that's still a god nonetheless it's just kind of your god at that point right yeah um so if if there's a god which god is it what god backs their claims which god is their evidence for we here in western society put a lot of uh need necessity in evidence when we're trying to conclude something like in a jury situation or like in a courtroom, we want to know, why should I believe that? I think when you look at the the grand scheme of every God of every religion, there is only one that has provided an actual historical account, and that is Jesus. He said, this is who I am. And, And you have cross references of other religions stating, yes, Jesus existed. Even if they don't agree, he's God. Yeah. yeah. And so you've got these cross references of other cultures, other religions that go, yeah, there was a, you know, who was it? Was it the uh, uh, Babylonian Talmud that said there was a sorcerer named... Yeah. Uh, Joshua, yeah. son, of Joseph, son of Joseph, performing yep. these these miracles, you know, and it's like, look, there's your Jesus nod from the right. Babylonian right. Talmud. Right. You go to right. Tacitus, you go to Josephus, you look at all these extra biblical accounts, and boom, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, and so, there's historical evidence for Jesus. There's, I believe, it's that there's more historical evidence for Jesus than Alexander the Great. That's Probably, how I've often well, there, heard it. There
1: certainly would be more for Jesus than there is for Julius Caesar. Uh, sure.
0: Yeah. So, so, I mean, the point is which God is real. Well, there's really only one with an actual historical account yeah. and that's Jesus Christ. And he claimed to be G Je- or he claimed to be God. Um, so the question is, well, if he's God, if Jesus really is God, well, then how can we know what he said? How do I know what he said? Well, the Bible is how we know what he said. But then that leads to the question, well, is the Bible trustworthy? is it a trustworthy source can i believe what it says and then that kind of lands us here where it's like well now you got to get some skin in the game right test it test the bible test it see if it's if it's really true see if if the the truths that it holds don't affect the very world around you day to day and then seek him and the bible promises that if you seek him you will find him Okay, Um, so then believe and be saved and obey him. That's the kind of overarching that's step one for anybody trying to determine what they believe, whether you're a believer or a non-believer. Is that a fair kind of that's that's kind of the first chunk?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm really not sure that most people that were that that would listen to the question uh, or or listen to the statement that you should own your own faith would necessarily go all the way back that far i think they would start from saying okay i believe that god exists i believe jesus is god what do i do now
0: right okay and so i'm glad you're saying that because here's my deal there's a lot of people who believe in jesus today and that's the reason why i made this step one is there are a lot of believers today that don't know why they believe in a god
1: and that yeah that's kind of the point part of this uh knowing knowing what you believe uh, part of this owning your faith might even be being prepared to give answers for questions that you yourself don't have, but someone else might. Right. And at a moment when uh, you're talking with somebody else, maybe it comes up and you say, well, gee, I never thought of that. Maybe, you know, maybe there is something else.
0: Right. Yeah. It's it's not only is it a, de- a defense for your faith so that you can be more, um, so you can have better reasoning,
1: better prepared. At,
0: well, yeah. well, you're better prepared to teach other people about Jesus, but you're also better prepared that when somebody comes along and starts throwing something at you that maybe isn't so thought out, but you've never heard it before, Right. it doesn't just catch you off guard and knock you off your feet because you're like, Oh no, I've studied this. And that's not how that works. Um, and a lot of people, all you got to do is say something that sounds really smart and a lot of people will buckle at the knees because they don't know how to deal with it but the the longer you kind of dive into this world of apologetics and trying to determine why i believe what i believe the quicker you realize there aren't as many arguments as you might think right they they get worded a little bit differently but there's maybe i don't know there's a handful of basic arguments um for all sides
1: and Kind of conversely, there is more evidence than you might have originally thought
0: for God for God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And outside of the Bible.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and that's
0: going to be kind of one of the things we're going to talk about as well. Okay, Um, But I guess um, from that point, like you said, you know, there's going to be a lot of believers that probably aren't going to go back to that step. And the reason I included that step is step one is because if you haven't done it, do it. Yeah. Go do it. Go yeah. find out why all that is true, right? Um and that's that's kind of the deconstruction thing. That's kind of what Paul went through. Um and so maybe maybe step 1 is deconstruct a little bit. Figure out why you believe what you believe. But then we get to this portion. Um if you've done all that, you're probably in one of two categories if you're standing here now and you're now a believer. You're either a cradle Christian and I use that term as you have been raised up in the faith. Hmm. You've never known any differently. Your your parents are Christian and they've, they've raised you up to be Christian. And so you believe what they believe. And it's always been that way. Or you're a brand new believer. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church, but now having done those previous steps, you've concluded, yeah, I do believe in Jesus. I am a Christian and I want to follow him. But that's going to bring about some other sets of questions that have to be asked. And the first one, if you're a brand new believer you're probably going to say, hey, there's a lot of denominations and there's a lot of views hmm. on the Bible. There's a lot of views on Jesus. How do I know which of those is right? How do I know what to believe and what not to believe? How how can I go about that? On the flip side, if you're in the cradle Christian category, um, the first question that might need to be asked is, Hey, other people believe differently than I do when it comes to Jesus in the Bible. Why do they believe what they believe? And which of us is right? Am I right? Or are they right? Yeah. And you kind of have to wrestle with that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and to I mean, I guess for a lot of people that probably sounds scary and they're probably like, no, 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 that's doubting. That's doubting. And I like, I feel like that's kind of a knee jerk reaction to a lot of these questions. I don't think it's doubting. Um, When you look at Jesus's followers, how much of this did they have to do? They'd been raised Jews their entire lives. And now God is standing in front of them and they're going, wait, the Bible was right. Like scripture was right. But the way I was taught, it wasn't right. We've been raised to believe that that God was going to come back as this like, victor, king, conqueror figure, and he's standing before me. And he's this humble servant and he's a man. He's, he's human in front of me. Like they had to change the way they had been taught and realize that what they had been taught wasn't right, but that the basis for what they were being taught on was still right. Does that make sense?
1: It does. It does. Um, there may be, okay, if the existence of God is uh, step one, and step two is which denomination is right. There might be a 1.5, and that is uh, all the questions about the Bible. And that could come up because you have heard somebody question the Bible, question whether the Bible is accurate, question whether the Bible is trustworthy. And it might come up because you've read it.
0: Oh, I, so I don't know that I'm tracking with you. What are you saying 1.5
1: is? Uh, questions about the Bible. Uh, like the, the accuracy of the Bible, accuracy, trustworthiness, right? So we
0: lumped that into the, is there a God though? Because we had to go through that to get to is Jesus, like, is
1: it trustworthy? Okay.
0: I hear you though, but talk on it. Please talk on it. My point is it's in there.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think everybody at some point has to come to a sense of, okay, um, I can read scripture, and I read sections here in the Old Testament that are just a little bit scary. And it doesn't sound like uh, the New Testament Jesus. New Testament Jesus says, love your neighbors. Old Testament God uh, helps Israel in a war by raining fire and brimstone on their enemies. Um, Everybody, I think, has to come to grips with, how do those two things make sense? Uh, mm. Can I can I really trust the Bible if the Old Testament uh, presents a God who is active in war and at the same time says, um, you know, sacrifice this animal and uh, then says, and uh, God is a God of mercy? Well. You know, how does that all make sense? I think everybody has to come to grips with making sense of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so the step, I'm glad you kind of put this all together. You're kind of, first, you kind of drew a line back to what we'd already said about is God real? Right. But now you're saying, okay, now you really do believe this. What about scripture? Well, step two of, of this for the cradle Christian and the new believer is what does scripture say? But then more importantly, the context matters. Yeah. And I think that's the key to what you're saying here, right? How do you make sense of this Old Testament God behaving in this way? And then this New Testament Jesus claiming to be that same God, yet he's all about love and compassion. Well, you got to start digging in and saying, well, wait, is it? It does this work together. Does this complement each other? Right. And the more you dig, you realize, yeah, it really does. One hundred percent. Yeah, it has to.
1: If I understand it correctly, right, it makes sense.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um. And so, you've got to study Scripture. What does Scripture say? And the context matters. Here's why context matters. Okay. And I, I was looking for a, a good reasoning to to kind of make this point. Um. When somebody's translating English into another language uh, or even another language into English, English is an incredibly difficult language because so many of our words have so many different meanings for each word. Um, For instance, a word could be a verb. It could be a noun. It could be a verb phrase. It could be an idiom. It could be an adjective, an adverb. It could be a preposition or it can be an interjection. Right. Right. And so I've written down a few words here that have the most meanings in the English language. And each of these words I'm about to read can be any of those verb, noun, verb, phrase, idiom, adjective, adverb, whatever. Run has 179 different, <laughs> different ways it's used in English. Wow. Take has 127 ways that it's used in English. Break has 123 turn has 122 set has 119 go has 98 play has 95 cut has 93 up has 93 and hand has 92. Those are just the most used. Those are the biggest ones. There's others with a lot of, of, of meanings as well. But the reason that kind of thing matters is like, imagine me telling my fiance, Hey, Um, you know, I'm getting ready to, you know, move into your place after, after the wedding, I was thinking maybe you could paint the walls eggshell. And then I come in and it looks like somebody painted a bunch of Easter eggs that it's just like tons and tons of these fun little squiggles of pink and blue and yellow and red. Because when she heard eggshell, she thought Easter egg. Now, like, (laughs) I understand that's, that's a little different, but my point is context matters. Yeah. Like had I said eggshell white rather than the color of an eggshell. You know what I mean? Like right. that can come off two different ways. Um, it's, that one's silly. But my point is we do that with scripture. I've heard stories. Uh, Jason, the worship leader here, uh, one of the pastors here at, at New Hope, uh, went to a conference. And I forget what verse they used for the whole conference. And I think I've talked about this with you before, Andy. I think so. But it was like. It sounded like this big uplifting verse, but when you read it in the context, it was like about God destroying a nation. <laughs> and so it's like, or, or I remember one uh, after 9-11, like one of our, I think it was a senator was quoted, uh, he he was quoting a Bible verse and it was like, we will rise up and we shall cut, you know, a stone slab out of the mountain and we will make a monument and all this. And it sounds like this big, glorious, like we will prevail. But if you read it in context, it's, it's Israel shaking their fist at God. Mad at God. And so it's like we have to be really careful when we think we know what a verse means. We have to read it for its full context, which means that verse, the surrounding verses, the surrounding book, and then the surrounding books. That's kind of the order in which we have to look at the Bible.
1: So we're talking here about understanding scripture. And what you're saying is that for us to really understand scripture, if this is going to be the basis for what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, then context matters.
0: Right. Because most cults are formed on the twisting of scripture. Right. You know, that's just how it works. You just start Cherry picking the verses you like and saying, well, this means this and this means this. And you don't read anything contextually. You can make the whole Bible mean whatever
1: you want, if that's yeah. the way you read it. So what, uh, are we going to talk at all about resources? Mm-hmm. You know, what's really going to cool? do that later? Or are we going to do that well, as we go?
0: Well, it's actually beautiful because that's the next step. So, like, I didn't even give Randy a outline of anything I'm talking about. And it's like we're kind of synced up. Uh, telepathically right now, and I'm digging that. I think
1: that's logical.
0: Yes. Yeah. Which makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. I must not be an idiot. Um, (laughs) Study. (laughs) I didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) That remains to be determined. Um, So, yeah, the next step after, you know, reading contextually is study historical books and documents. Okay. Um, and, and when I say historical books and documents, I don't just mean books from history. That's mm-hmm. great. But also books about the history of Christianity. Right? Where did it come from? What did yeah. people believe back in the early days of Christianity? How right. did that develop through like the, the Roman Catholic Church and then through the Reformation and then today? What, what changes have taken place over time? Um one of the books I wrote down is one that you actually gifted to me, uh The Story of Christianity by Justo Gonzalez. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Great super, book. Super. It's technically two volumes, but I've got it, it in one, right. which is pretty cool. <laughs> um I said I, a couple others and then I'd be curious to hear what yours are. Uh writings of the early church fathers. Sure. That's huge. Right. Um and you gotta be careful though, because understand um when somebody says the early church fathers, that's an eight hundred year period. <laughs> yeah. So that's up to 800 AD. All right, right just because right. it says early doesn't mean it's all that early. That's that's almost a thousand years. Um, and then uh, commentaries of various backgrounds on my sure. shelf. I've got several Wesleyan commentaries. I think we've got a couple Calvinist commentaries. Uh, I like to get on and uh, some actual uh websites if you just look up bible verses they'll give you like Matthew Henry's commentary pretty right, often right, right, right. so you can read some some commentaries pretty accessibly out there. Yeah. What are you thinking?
1: I would say um everybody needs to have a good Bible dictionary. If you can afford it, get a Bible encyclopedia, the difference is about $120. You can get a decent Bible dictionary for somewhere around forty bucks.
0: So I'm gonna I'm just gonna be honest here. I have Bible dictionaries and I don't know that I know how to properly use them. Okay. Could you like walk us through that?
1: Possibly.
0: Well, I mean, what what do you do with a Bible dictionary?
1: Okay. So when I, uh, the way I use a Bible dictionary or a Bible encyclopedia, a couple of good ones, uh, there's a bunch of Bible dictionaries out there. Uh, anything that's put out by InterVarsity Press, IVP, is usually very, very good. It's good scholarship. Uh, it's conservative, it's it's uh, meaningful, and uh, slants towards application. Uh, in terms of a Bible encyclopedia, I would say the standard would be the new International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, and that's going to run you about $150 or so, four volumes, massive. So what I do when I'm studying scripture and I see something that I don't quite understand um. I can't go to a Bible dictionary and say, um uh show me what Matthew six sixteen means. Uh Matthew six sixteen, if you uh, uh when you fast, don't make it obvious like the hypocrites do. They try to look miserable and deceitful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I can't go to it and look up Matthew six sixteen. I could go to a commentary and do that. But what I do when I go to a Bible dictionary or go to a Bible encyclopedia, I might look up uh, fasting, or I might look up the word hypocrite. I would look up the individual word, see what it has to say about it, and see how that applies to the passage then that I'm reading. So Bible encyclopedias are really good to give you historical information about things that were going on um, again, it's a context hmm. in which to understand what's happening.
0: Yeah. So I I, I use my Bible encyclopedias quite a bit. Um, I like them because it's just little snippets of really dense, really good information. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the dictionary I don't find myself using as often. Okay. But, uh, like, I've got encyclopedias broken up by certain books of the Bible. Like, I've got, like, the Gospels. Right. And then I've got, like, the Wisdom Books. Um so like uh gotcha. it makes Psalms sense. and right. well I think it ties Psalms in, but it's Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and um Song of Solomon, all that good stuff. Right. Job. Right. Um so it's kinda cool to look at them in that in that sense too. I think you can get them on like yeah. the historical books as well. Um but yeah, super helpful resources.
1: A good study bible is another great resource. Yes. And uh, again, IVP has a good study bible. There are others out there. Uh, typically what I would look for would be one in which the footnotes deal with information that you don't have from the text.
0: Yeah. And and the other thing you got to remember, too, when reading a study Bible is it's somebody else's commentary. It's somebody else's discourse, their their thoughts. Um, and so don't take everything as the gospel in a study Bible. Right. Some of it's suggestions. Some of it's, yeah, we don't really know what this means, so we think it means this. Right. But others, it's like, oh, that's really good information. I'm glad that's there. Yeah. Um and so, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. Understand that these are human thoughts, you know. Right. Um, but
1: yeah. A third type of book that I use quite a bit actually, are uh books that get at the meaning of biblical words. Now there's a couple of them out there. Um dictionary and new testament theology is actually and uh, that's by Colin Brown. It's a translation of an older German work. But he will take words, uh, kind of major words, uh, uh, and he'll go into background, use in the Old Testament, use in the intertestamental period, use in the New Testament. It just really helps to understand. Uh, there are other books like Girdle Stone's Synonyms of the, of the New Testament. Uh, and I've shown you a couple of dictionaries that I use that are a little bit more technical that, uh, get into the meaning of the Greek words behind mm. the text, mentioning the Greek words behind the text. It is worthwhile as a resource in order to study scripture to make the use of, uh, products that are available to us actually for free. The Blue Letter Bible yep is one that you've talked about. uh logos.com uh free resources now. You can get into logos the way they make their money their business model is they they hook you with uh good information and
0: free books every month.
1: And free books and then they can sell you yeah. additional stuff. They make their money by selling you the additional stuff. Right. So far, I think I've spent fifty dollars, maybe sixty dollars in Logos, and that was mostly for one book, yeah. Dictionary of Deities and Demons. That's an awesome book. <laughs> it's, it's it's great. I'm still reading through it. Well, it's, considering that the the, the
0: print version of that book's like five hundred dollars, it
1: right. is. It's massive. so. I mean, you yeah. you got a deal there.
0: Is yeah. the other thing, um, but. Yeah, the Lagos has been awesome. Yeah. Um and Blue Letter Bible, that was actually I went to uh Indiana Wesleyan University and that was a big resource that they were pushing on us heavy right. to use all the time. Yeah. And that's probably my go-to if I want a quick reference on a Greek word.
1: You uh go to Blue Letter Bible, look up a verse if you're reading a particular verse and on the lower left-hand corner of the verse is a tab that says tools. Click on that and wow, what it opens up is incredible. I
0: don't know that I've clicked the
1: tools bar. Hold on. Oh, no, 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 no. You have. You have. Have I? You just do it automatically. Blue letter. Hold on.
0: We are getting to the bottom of this because <laughs> I don't apparently use this website time, the same way you do.
1: First time I pulled up Blue Letter Bible and looked at it, and I thought eh, it's, it's the same as Bible Gateway. But then I saw this little tools button and clicking on the tools brings up the Greek behind the verse. Okay, so you click tools and then it brings up
0: interlinear Bibles, cross-references, document or commentaries, dictionaries, and miscellaneous. Yeah. Generally what I do is I will click on that one verse itself, and then that'll break it up into each individual word. And so it'll say, like for instance, I'm in Matthew 1-1 which is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so it breaks it up into the book. And then it's got a, a letter there for or Strong's Dictionary letter. Okay, yeah. And so it's G976. And then to the right of that, it's Biblios. And okay. so then I can click on that Strong's number and it'll pick up, it'll pop up Biblios and it will show me. Every word occurs. Well, it shows me the outline of, of what that uh, word means generally and what all else it can mean. And then it shows me every place it occurs in the New Testament.
1: What we're basically talking about here is really being serious about studying it's Scripture. It's huge. It's more than just reading it. It's actually getting into it, trying to figure out, okay, why this word, not that word? Uh, what does this mean for me? How does this apply to right. XYZ concept?
0: Uh, it's shocking to me how often I, because I listen to a lot of of debates between various religions or various denominations or whatever, or, or atheists and Christians debating. And it's amazing to me how often like a non-Christian will make a claim on scripture saying something. And I know to like the untrained person, it would sound detrimental and huge. And I now, after a few years of like digging into some of this stuff, just immediately I'm like, well, that's not what that means. And it's like <laughs> their their whole argument's based on a misconception because they yeah. haven't really yeah. dug into it. Right. They've read the English translation yeah. and now they've gone, oh, well, that word means this in English. So right. obviously – like right. for, for Muslims and Christians, it, obvi- it usually comes down to, well, Jesus called himself son of man. Why didn't he call himself God? And it's like, well, because son of man is, is a divine term biblically. Go back
1: to Daniel. Exactly.
0: Yeah. But like – but that's another instance of it is it's like if you didn't know that. Right. Then you'd be like, well, yeah, why did he say that? But it's like, no, that's nothing. That's nothing. That's debunked immediately. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yep. So um get in there. Get get into really knowing your Bible and to knowing the original languages, because that is huge when it comes to really knowing what it said versus yes, a translation of what that's it said. That's right. That's right. Um so uh did you have any more?
1: No. Okay. Well, I, yeah, there's a lot of other resources out there, but yeah. those are the biggies. Hey. Um, you mentioned commentaries. Let me just give a plug for finding a decent commentary. Okay. If you go to scripture and you make a list of questions based on the scripture that you're studying, say, I want to get a good commentary on Romans. So I go to Romans three and, uh, I look at a passage and I just start writing down the questions that I get. Take those questions to the commentary. If you can find a commentary that answers your questions, buy it. Yeah. That's a good commentary. Typically what you find is somebody answering a different set of questions. It may be interesting, but it's not what you're really looking for.
0: And that's happened to me time and time again.
1: I'll, I'll crack open a
0: commentary like, looking for some line of thought that they aren't even on the same page as exactly. me. Exactly. Um, but that's okay. Like, they're probably still right. Yeah. Or that, you know, they may be. I don't well, know. But,
1: you know, most commentaries are written in a specific time for a specific purpose. Right. Uh Times change. Yeah. So uh, find the one that speaks to you today.
0: Well, and there's multiple ways of looking at most verses of the Bible. They interconnect yeah. with other verses in a lot of ways. And right. so you kind of have to. It'd be hard to tackle all of them.
1: I uh, w- one of the things that I've done as I've worked my way through commentaries is I've found certain authors that, in my mind, just really uh, speak to me, uh, really answer the questions that I have. Yeah, people like M.T. Wright. Yeah, people like Ben Witherington the Third, and uh, actually an older one, about a hundred years old now, uh, <clears throat> Joy King Jeremias. Um I think it's just awesome his understanding of uh, the Jewish mindset in the New Testament is fantastic.
0: Okay, cool. Um yeah, so there's a bunch of resources for you. Study the historical books and documents about the Bible and then all sorts of resources, all sorts of resources. Um the next step is to recognize if it's not orthodoxy, if it's not in line with what the majority of Christians have believed for the majority of history. It's probably not Christianity. (laughs) And so if you're like, Hey, is this denomination I've been looking into even like biblical? Is it even Christian? Weigh it against the test of time. The thing is you can look back through the Christianity, like the history of Christianity and see Christians have generally always agreed that, and I'm talking like the vast majority of Christians. And when I say this, when you're gonna be like, oh, all Christians, um, that that God is a Trinitarian being, that God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, so today, you see like non. Uh, Trinitarian denominations. That's not orthodoxy. That doesn't jive with Christianity because it's a new claim and it's a baseless claim and it doesn't fit with the entire history of what Christianity is taught. So it's like all the cards are stacked against that concept Mm -hmm. yet people will still lean into it. And so we as Christians have to dismiss that one. Like that's not right. That is that's heresy because they've changed who Jesus is, and they've changed how salvation works. Right, And that's generally what orthodoxy boils down to. Does somebody change who Jesus is? Does somebody change what Jesus did? Does somebody change how we're saved? Now you're getting into heresies. And so I think the best way to determine those is, one, read your Bible, but two, Look at the history of the church. What has everybody always believed about salvation? About Christ? Who He is? How salvation's attained? Those things matter.
1: Now, I think that merits a little bit of discussion here because uh, what we're not saying is that uh, what has been always shall be. No, uh, it's, no, it's it's. If not that's the that. case,
0: Jesus would have been null and void, right? Because they hadn't been teaching His way of teaching, right? Ever. Right
1: right uh what what we are saying is history matters right um we're not we we don't exist in a vacuum we exist as a product of a long line of christians the more we understand about what our uh, uh christian forefathers truly believed and mm-hmm. truly said yeah uh the better it'll be because They were right about a lot of things. Now, times change. Sure. And because times change, uh, some of the questions that we bring to scripture might change. Right. But that doesn't change the fact that they were asking questions of their time that was important. Mm -hmm. Understanding how they discovered those answers, what they believed, that can help us as we look at. Uh, we we look for answers to questions that maybe are brand new questions today.
0: But we can still be informed by the yes. past, right? Yes. And I think the, the closer back you can get historically to what Jesus' actual followers believed and what Jesus taught and what the church was doing right after Jesus, I think that's about as orthodox as you're going to be able to get. Right. Um, the, the further we drift from that, the more other stuff seems to start to, traditions start to steep in and they start to kind of almost insert themselves as orthodoxy, as biblical, but they're not always. And so that's a thing too. Um, So, you know, I, as a, as a Protestant, I can look at a lot of what the Catholic church taught for hundreds and hundreds of years um, and disagree with tons of it, Uh even though that was technically, you know, quote unquote, orthodoxy at the time, but it's like, it had kind of got, it had gotten away from what the, followers of Jesus were originally taught and right. new things are added. Um and I'm sure plenty of your people are going to have something to say about me just saying that. But uh, that's a whole other episode.
1: Well, and there's a great difference between what uh, the early church fathers who the Catholic Church claims as their own uh but there were th- there was a significant I think departure uh, not departure. There was a there was a, a new twist given, I think to uh, what uh, the Catholic Church considered uh, orthodoxy that came around the beginning of the Dark Ages.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the Catholic Church itself has evolved a lot yeah. over time. Yeah. It, it started one way, and today it's almost unrecognizable, If, in my honest opinion. Uh, but th- like I said, we do, we do not have time to <laughs> hash through all of that. But um, – study history study history and look at what people are saying today is it biblical if it's not biblical then what's their basis and then apart from that is it historical if it's neither that's sketchy that's <laughs> yeah. what we're saying here that's really what we're saying here um and so uh the last thing the last step is is a simple one and it's kind of about humbling yourself and recognizing that not every hill's worth dying on you know <laughs> like i said yeah. there's there's plenty like while we're picking on the catholics there's plenty i disagree with about like with the catholics a lot of those disagreements aren't aren't hills worth dying on yeah yeah some yeah. of them are but not all of them yeah and i th- i find that with a lot of denominations um i can still call a whole bunch of denominations my brothers and sisters even though we we don't see eye to eye on everything.
1: There's another aspect to humble yourself. I mean, that's the key thing that you're talking about here. Humble yourself and and recognize that you yourself might be wrong.
0: That that's step 1, man. Yeah. After after is there a God step 2 is maybe I'm wrong. <laughs>
1: that's, <laughs> that's it. That's right. That's yeah. it.
0: Um maybe I'm wrong about having all the facts and and maybe maybe just because I was raised in this denomination and my parents believe this, maybe that doesn't mean it's right. Well, I mean, somebody out there that believes that, that has to be true, right? Yeah. Right? Because because if you're you and your clan's right, well then that person over there and their clan's not right, but they think they're right too. So that's why we have to test these things.
1: Um I know in my personal life I I grew up my father was a pastor. He was uh very uh conservative ex- ex- extremely conservative. It was an old line church uh he did a great job preaching. He uh, When he when he felt God calling him to preach, he went to Fort Wayne Bible College. He studied one semester. Did a course in Old Testament, one course in New Testament, one course in, in preaching, and uh, one course in, I think, preaching. And finished that, and he said, well, I got what I need.
0: <laughs> I'm out of here.
1: But you know what? He was a great preacher. He... he just kept going back to Scripture. The things that I learned from him was his love for the Word, uh, taking everything back to Scripture, and just kind of a of a common sense approach to Scripture. I today do not believe everything that he believed. Right. Uh, I've changed. The way I grew up is not where I am now. And uh, I've uh, embraced some new concepts and i've had some new questions uh just in the past 3 years i've had questions that i've had to deal with that i've never dealt with before and it's caused me to to look for answers to study scripture in a different way to ask different questions of scripture and it's it's kind of brought me to some not different conclusions but new conclusions because They're new questions.
0: Right. Well, you're dealing with questions you'd never asked before, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're at a different part in your life and you've seen and dealt with things you hadn't then. Um, And the other thing is, man, we get like the one that I think about a lot is, you know, for how many years would people have probably been upset and and maybe still to suggest that parts of like Genesis one and two could be figurative in ways. Right. Um. But then within what, the last 50, 70 years, something like that, we we gain this information about the Mesopotamian culture's uh creation stories. And we realize that like our creation story is almost like poking fun at their creation story and saying, No, God is in control and there's no chaos and right. there's all and, right. and so there's all these common elements, but it's like attributing it all back to God, all back right. to God, all back to God. Right. And so it's like, well, there's part of it, at least, that's figurative. But until the last 50 years, we would have never known that. Right. Or, or, you know, there was probably a gap in there where we wouldn't have known that. But my point is, like, we learn new things about the history of the world, too. Yeah. And that doesn't change the the foundational truths of the Bible. But sometimes it's just the way we were reading it.
1: Frequently, uh, new archaeological discoveries actually lend even more authenticity to Scripture.
0: Exactly. Exactly, and so you know we're always learning new things. We're always growing. When I was a kid, I don't even—I won't even say when I was a kid. I—I um, I don't think I—I I, I definitely did not have a, a firm grasp of Scripture growing up, and I—I I leaned into that license to sin mentality. Now, I wouldn't have told you that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing, and—and and so part of me knew that that wasn't right, you know, yeah. but I still did it, and as I as as God called me away from that um the more i studied scripture the more i realized like this isn't right like that's not how you're to live that's not how a person's to live um i i've struggled with big broad questions like um like the elect like is it calvinist is it arminian like who's right who's got this right um i've struggled with um concepts on uh, like, like is the book of Jonah satire, you know, just like, right. like yeah, yeah, weird, yeah. weird stuff like that. And, and like on on most of those issues to this day, I'm still in a, I don't know, like on the book of revelation, I'm very much in, an I don't know, but I sure know what all of the stances are and I'm ready for any of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it's like, those are secondary. Those are secondary matters. Um, they're not Hills worth dying on. They're not Hills that say that person's not my brother. And I gave a whole sermon on this last week. And maybe this is like a little bit of bleed over from that, that this is just decompressing some of, of what I talked about, but like, there's a call for, for understanding what we believe. And then once we're there, once we know what we believe, let's build bridges with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we don't have to die on every Hill. We got to love other people. But we got to know why we believe what we believe. Yeah. How, how can we ever learn? How can we ever grow? How can we ever tell somebody? How can we ever correct somebody else if we don't even know what we believe? Um, I want to run through all these steps really quick. Is there a God? If so, which God is it? What God backs their claims? Which God has evidence? You will land on Jesus at that point because that's just how it is. If Jesus is God, what did he say? Well, he said he, he wrote it in the Bible. Is the Bible trustworthy? Well, you should test it. You, you should seek him, believe and be saved, obey him. Once you're there, once you're a believer, well, are you a new believer or have you always been a believer? Um, then the question becomes, there are a lot of denominations. Which one's right? If you've been a believer your whole life, hey, is my denomination right? Are my beliefs right? What do other be- people think? Why do they think that? Um, what does scripture say? read it in context, study the historical books and documents, Um, read, you know, different commentaries. We gave you a bunch of resources for that. If it's out of line from orthodoxy, that's not good. It's not biblical. So if it doesn't match up with the Bible, it doesn't match up with church history. It's probably not good. It's probably not something you should be following. And then remember that not every hill's worth dying on. Build bridges between people that don't see eye to eye with you on secondary issues. They don't matter all that much. I mean, they matter, but it's not worth burning the house down, right, you know? <laughs> like, right? Right,
1: not worth destroying a relationship.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, you got anything else there, Randy?
1: Uh, just one other thing. There, are time from time to time, I'll look at scripture and compare it with other points, and I end up with questions. Um, I do believe that scripture is trustworthy. There are some things in scripture that I do not understand. There are some things that appear to me to be contradictions. Mm. What I've discovered over the years is that if I really study deep enough, I will find a rational explanation. Yeah. So uh, I don't look at an apparent uh, uh, contradiction. I don't look at at uh something that i find difficult to understand as a motivation to cause me to doubt in the trustworthiness of scripture it causes yeah. me more to doubt in my trustworthiness as an interpreter of scripture yeah and it causes me to dig deeper try to find out okay what's really going on here
0: yeah used to when i would run into those difficult passages i would it would be like earth shattering when i'd hit it and i would be like oh my gosh Does it all hinge on this? Does it all fall apart? And it's like so many years into just finding a rational answer over and over and over again and going, oh, it's nothing. Oh, it's nothing. Oh, it's nothing. Now I run into those and I'm like, "Okay, so this should freak me out. But I also know that I'm stupid. And so I'm going to dig on this for a while. And it's not going to mean what I think it means. And I kind of start there. Go in stupid, man. Go in stupid. It's okay to go in stupid.
1: I look at this and I say, I don't understand this. So it's probably not scripture's fault.
0: Right. (laughs) Michael Heiser's got an awesome quote. It's probably the most quotable thing he says because everything else he says is so heady and I can never like (laughs) – I got to take like an hour to figure out where he's at. But uh, he says – if it's weird, it's probably important. <laughs> and I like that. Yeah. I think that's yeah, good. Yeah. And, and you know what? That causes you to go, okay, this is weird. I don't get it. I'm going to study this.
1: Study this. Yeah. <laughs> I like that.
0: That takes time though. Yeah, it takes dedication. And so nothing we're asking you to do do today is easy. The easiest thing for you to do is to have shut this podcast off and not even be hearing me say this right now. And for those of you that have done that, I'm sorry, you're missing out. We're great. But um, (laughs) to the rest of you. um,
1: Congratulations, you made it through.
0: (laughs) Push through, push through that comfort that that that's calling you to just. believe because everybody's told you that's what's right. Right, right. That's not what we're called to do. And you know that we know that we should know why we believe what we believe. And uh, we hope that we can, we've helped you in that in some capacity. Um, We're no geniuses, but uh, I think these are tried and true. And so I hope they help you out. And if you hate everything I said, let me know, but blame it on Randy, (laughs) put it in the comments, put it in the comments, or you you can email us at, uh, salty saints at dot com or questions at dot uh make sure to check out our partners over at life audio they got lots of cool uh stuff for you to check out over there lots of cool podcasts on parenting and studying your bible all, all sorts of things uh get over there check them out and until next time stay salty are you concerned about tensions in the middle east do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, bestselling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically
1: sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app, or go to joshuafund.com to listen and subscribe.